encourage you to take your Bibles and we'll turn to, to the book of Judges. Again, uh, this will be the last message from the book of Judges, at least for some time. Uh, we've covered this book over the beginning, basically the first part of this year, and now we're coming to an end. Uh, before we end this series, I wanted to talk about some positive, profitable lessons, which we talked about last week from the book of Judges, and we looked at some profitable and positive lessons, and uh, we certainly find those in that book, but also I want to consider here tonight some negative life experiences and lessons that are helpful from this book. You know, I just want to mention here tonight, you know, when something negative happens in our life, most of the time we think this is just bad for us and it's not good for us. And uh, certainly, again, there might be in some ways when it comes to life experiences, but many times through life experiences that are negative or we might think are negative, uh, we can find helpful lessons from them. And so tonight I'd like to look at some uh, lessons from this book, from seven different life experiences that took place in this book. And so we'll begin here in Judges chapter 1 once again here tonight. We'll be reading for the, uh, through the first seven verses of this chapter here. Again, running over territory we ran over before, but we'll consider some thoughts here from the Word of God once again here tonight, considering seven negative uh, life experiences that may give us helpful lessons in life. And so Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, Who shall go up for a, and fight against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And Jesus said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me by my lot, that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will be with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went up with him. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. And they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him. And they slew the Canaanites and the Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him and came to him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God hath requited me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Tonight I want to consider some lessons from some negative life experiences. Let's pray as we consider some thoughts from the book of Judges. Father, thank you again for your word tonight. I do pray that you would help us again to be able to look into this book just briefly here tonight and, and look at some experiences that took place, uh, both, uh, again, negative and, uh, again, maybe not uh, things that people would want to experience or have experienced or be associated with and that sort of thing, but things that, again, we can learn from here tonight. So help us, again, by your grace to be able to re uh, receive some things, some thoughts from the Word of God. We pray this in Jesus' name for sake. Amen. Again, as we look into the book of Judges, in Judges chapter 1, we find uh, the death of Joshua. After Joshua dies, you find, again, they're going to go into the land there. It mentions Judah is going to go into the land. And so Judah goes into the land, but asks Simeon to come with them. And we talked about that last week, again, how they cooperated together as they went into the promised land. It mentions there they fight against the enemies there, and then 10,000 die there in verse number 4, the leader of those enemies 
is found in verse number 6 to be fleeing. They meet up with him. They cut off his thumbs and his great toes. Cut off his thumbs and his great toes. Now, let me just say, that's certainly a negative life experience. None of us have experienced that, but this king experiences that. Nonetheless, I, I want us to gain a lesson from this experience in his life because we learn from the lives of others. The positive or negative experiences in one's life or the lives of others is something we can certainly gain wisdom from. Let's take our Bibles before we start looking at this first lesson here tonight and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 6, Proverbs chapter 6. And I want to say here tonight we can learn not only from people but from the animal kingdom even around us. And so Solomon here in Proverbs chapter 6 points the ant and says to uh, young people especially, to the youth, to the young, uh, to men, to young ladies, that we can learn certainly from the ants. And I like to just read here in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 6 through verse number 8. The Bible says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long will thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and they want as an armed man. You're going to learn not only from people, but from ants. What could you learn from the ant? Well, I'm sure from this passage of scriptures, you can learn from the ant that the ant doesn't need an overseer. Or anyone to tell them what to do. It says, which have no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. And so the ant will work when they can work. Summer and then harvest. In the winter, certainly, again, in most cases, no one can work. At least the ants can't work. they got to hibernate, that sort of thing. But we learn from the ant to work. We learn from the ant to be wise. We learn from the ant to be diligent. We learn from the ant to do things without having someone to guide us or to tell us. And certainly not to be lazy or, as it mentions, again, a sluggard should learn from the ant. Verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. The sluggard can become wise through observing the ant. And so we can certainly learn from the mistakes. We can learn from... Uh, different incidents that happen both in our lives and other people that might seem very negative. We can learn from the lazy. We can learn from the diligent. We can learn from even the ant. Turn to Proverbs chapter 24, a similar passage here in the book of Proverbs, uh, penned by Solomon, by inspiration of God. Proverbs chapter uh, 24 here, verse number 30. The Bible says, I went by the field of the slothful, Slothful and the slugger, two and the same. And by the vineyard, the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles and had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. When I saw, I considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and they want as an armed man. In both passages end the same. 
but they also talk about basically learning from the experiences of others. The ant and the sluggard and the field of the slothful. We can learn from other people. We can be wise and we can observe their work. We can learn from the industrious, even an ant, a busy ant colony with all its tunnels and storage places, laying up food for the winter, laying up food for uh, times when they may need it. We can learn from the lives of others. And so as we turn back to the book of Judges, Judges chapter 1, and verse number 6 and verse number 7, I'd like to uh, make a few points here tonight as far as, uh, again, some thoughts that we can learn from here tonight. We had 14 lessons last week. I've whittled it down to seven this week. Can you imagine that? Just half. So it shouldn't be very long, hopefully, but uh, who knows? But the first point I want to make here tonight, what can we learn from negative experiences in life? This king lost his thumbs, his toes. What can we learn from this? Well, we can learn this. We can learn this from what this man experienced and what this man said. God may repay you or I or anyone for the evil they've done in their life. How do I know that? Or why do I say that? The Bible says there in verse 7, And Adonai Bezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done. So God hath requited me. Adonibizek ordered, it would seem, the cutting off of 70 kings' thumbs and right toes. And now he would experience this very, uh, how do you want to say it, very kind of gross, whatever you want to call it, this experience in life where he would not have the ability to use his thumbs or his great toes again. He himself would experience what he had done to others in life. Sadly, it says there in verse number 7, it says, And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. He died. This vicious king cut off the thumbs and toes of 70 kings. He too would experience this as it came into his life. As a result of this, he died. And so what lesson can we learn from this negative experience in life that God may repay those who do evil someday in life? Let's turn to Judges uh, chapter 9, if we could. Judges chapter 9. It's very interesting. I would say here in the Bible that you see this incident where a king uh, was repaid for the evil he did. You'll see here a brother here in Judges chapter 9 and verse number 53 also experienced like thing in life. Judges chapter 9, verse number 53. Let's pick up there. Abimelech killed his brothers, nearly all his brothers. 70 or 69 of his brothers there. It mentions there just a little bit earlier in the chapter or the chapter before. In verse number 53, it says, And a certain woman cast a piece of millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull. Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me. And the, and the men say not of me. A woman slew him, and the young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech 
which he did unto his father in slaying his 70 brethren, slayed his 70 brothers, and he died having someone cast a millstone upon his head, a certain woman casting a millstone upon his head. God may repay, I say may repay, others for the evil they have done. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 50. This doesn't always happen. Sometimes someone may extend grace, and I guess I just want to show you this because it uses the same word here in Judges chapter 50, this word requit or repay here or reward someone. And uh, you're familiar with the story, but uh, let's go ahead and read in, in Genesis chapter 50, starting verse number 15. It says, And when Joseph's brethren saw that his father was dead, they said, Joseph will prevent your hate us and will certainly requit us for all the evil that we did to him. Evil, throw him into a pit, selling him into slavery. They thought certainly again they would experience the retribution of Joseph. Yet the Bible says in verse 16, they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying that father did command thee before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph's brethren, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of their brethren and their sin, for they did unto the evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of thy father. And Joseph wept before them when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said unto him, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it to good, to bring to pass it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I'll nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. But Joseph's brother certainly didn't do him any good. Yet he did not repay them for the wickedness they had done. But yet, if you turn to Galatians chapter 6, the natural, normal way of life is that someday, one day, God will repay the wicked for what they have done. Think about what's going on in our country and around the world, and think about the wickedness that happens both you know, around us and in our nation and different places in the world. God will repay people for the wickedness that they have done. Galatians 6, 7 says this, Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, and he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Some may think they'll get away with it. Some have, maybe, in ways, got away with it. But God will repay uh, those for the evil that they have done. Let's turn back to Judges, and I'd like to look at Judges chapter 2 now. There are some negative experiences and there are negative choices that people made in life, and we can learn from their life experiences. God may repay and requit us, as he did to Adonai Bezek. Secondly, we can learn from this particular book of the Bible that reproving may be good for us. Again, uh, reproving, that's being corrected, being told you're wrong, may be good for us. We see this in the case of God's people being reproved by an angel. Let's read the first few verses of Judges chapter 2. 
Judges 2, verse 1, it says, And the angel of the Lord came from Gigal to Bochum, and he said, I made you to go up to Egypt and have brought you unto land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said unto you, I'll never break my covenant with you. You shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. You shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel Lord spake these words unto the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of the place Boacom, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. You know, a lot of people think reproving is always a negative thing. Being told you're wrong is a negative thing. And yes, it is maybe a negative thing, and so I lump it in with negative experiences here, but this negative experience of being told they were wrong, they hadn't obeyed God, led them to a place of weeping, led them to a place of repentance, led them to a place of sacrifice, led them to a place of getting right with God. This negative experience was actually good for them. Let's turn to Psalm 141. I'm not saying all reproving is good. I'm just saying... Reproving at times can be good for us, being told that we're, we've done wrong, we've messed up, we're not doing the right thing. Again, a lot of people today, all they want, in a sense, and I'm not trying to be, you know, trying all-inclusive, but they want likes, loves, praise, positive. But a reprimand, a reproving, can also be good for us. Psalm 141, verse number 5, it says, Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, it shall be excellent oil, which shall not break my head, for yet my prayer also shall be in their calamities. Let the righteous smite me, let, the, let him reprove me. Let him tell me I'm wrong or I've done something wrong. It's good for us to be reproved when we are doing wrong. A caring person, a righteous person may reprove us, and it can be good for it. It can be like, it says in verse 7, like excellent oil poured upon our head. You know, Jesus reproved the Pharisees. You see throughout the Bible's preachers come along and reproving individuals. John the Baptist reproved, again, a dignitary, and he lost his life for it. But reproving is still good for us. This angel comes there and appears to them, a special messenger from God to tell them they're doing wrong, and as a result, they get right. That's a good thing. Part of the preacher's job is to reprove, rebuke, exhort. I've been told and been taught as two-thirds negative. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Exhort's positive, that's building. Reprove, that's negative. Rebuke, that's, again, telling someone's long, wrong. That's the pastor or preacher's job. Let's turn back to Judges chapter 2. Does that mean that uh, preachers be well received for reproving other people? No, I, you can see in the Bible, Jeremiah was cast into prison. More than likely, Isaiah lost his life. John the Baptist lost his head. Reproving is not always good, but it can yield good results. And so don't think just because you hear somebody reproving you, this is negative. It could be helpful to get us on the right path spiritually. 
Judges chapter 2, we move on and look at another life experience. This is the life experience of the people that lived during that time and that of the judges. We pick up in Judges chapter 2, verse number 11. Judges 2, verse 11, I'll read down to verse number 15. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. They forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and they followed other gods, the gods of the people that were round about them, and they bowed themselves down to them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he delivered them in the hands of the spoils and spoiled them, and he sold them in the hands of the enemies that were round about them, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them. And they were greatly distressed. Another negative experience. This group of people had forsaken the Lord. And it led to negative experiences that followed in their life. You know, our forsaking the Lord, whether we're Christian or uh, non-believers or as a nation, can lead to negative types of experiences. The Bible talks about them in verse 11, serving Balaam. They forsook the Lord, verse number 12. They followed other gods, verse number 12. Verse number 13, they forsook the Lord. They served Balaam and Ashtaroth. And it says in verse number 13, Whithersoever they went, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said. And they were greatly distressed. Certainly a negative experience for them to see, again, the hand of God against them. The hand of God that guided them was now the hand of God that chastened them. He used their enemies there, verse number 14, to chasten them, to hurt them, to oppress them. But we learn a lesson from this. Forsaking the Lord may lead to negative experiences. They forsook. They forsook. It was their choice. They experienced distress. They experienced troubles, calamities, problems, oppression, suppression from their enemies because they forsook the Lord. You wonder why maybe America is having problems today or the world's having problems today. Could it be a lot of forsaking the Lord? Again, that's negative. I know that's negative. But the reality is when people forsake the Lord, they're going to experience negative types of things. It says there, the hand of the Lord was against them. Verse number 14, they were greatly distressed. And so we see a third lesson there. Forsaking the Lord may lead to negative experiences. But let's move on. We'll skip through a few chapters here. Let's go to Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4, verse number 1. A fourth lesson we can learn from this book. Again, one that I'd like you to take home with you and maybe keep hold to. Is mighty oppression can lead to prayer. Mighty oppression can lead to prayer. That's what we see here in Judges chapter 4. I want to just read the first three verses here. It says, In the children of Israel... Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And so Ehud was there for a time as a deliverer, helping the people spiritually, guiding them in the ways of God, etc. He dies and they turn away from the Lord. Verse number two, it says, And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, the son of Canaan, and he reigned in Hazor, and the captain of those hosts was Sisera, 
which dealt at Horsh of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. 20 years of oppression led to people seeking the Lord. No, oppression may not be bad for us. Government oppression may not be bad for us. It will lead for the people to seek and pray to the Lord. None of us like the experience of oppression. Do you like government oppression? Raise your hand. I didn't see anybody raise their hand. I don't like government oppression. But as they were oppressed, they finally turned to the Lord. None of us like oppression, whether it's government oppression or any kind of oppression, but this led to them praying to the Lord. And so we learn here another thing from the book of Judges. Let's move on. Judges chapter 5. Judges chapter 5, we see another negative experience that produced helpful lessons again here tonight. The song of Deborah and Barak is given to us in Judges chapter 5. We've read through that. We've learned some things from that. But I want to consider another thought here tonight. Courageous people of all kinds are needed for negative experiences in life. Courageous people of all kinds are needed for negative experiences in life. God was there, but I want you to notice the people there. I've looked at this somewhat already, but let's read here. A few verses in Judges chapter 5, the first two to begin with, it says, Then said Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinomam, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel, when the people willingly offered themselves. Most the word, the people. The people. A vast number of people. Courageous people. Again, stood up against the oppressors. And uh, were needed at that time. An army was raised. All the people, in a sense, mentioned some that didn't stand with them in this particular song. We looked at that before, but I just want to note, God uses courageous people during negative times in life. Troublesome times in, in life. In fact, this is a time of war. Verse number 6 and 7, it says, In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of jail, the highways were unoccupied. The travelers walked through byways. Again, I talked about that before. It was a tough time. You couldn't even travel very easy without people certainly being mean or nasty to you. The inhabitants of the villages ceased, it says there in verse number 7. They ceased in Israel until that I, Deborah, rose. I rose a mother in Israel. So there's troubles there. There was oppression there. There was deaths that were taking place there. The the evil government there was, uh, again, destroying people, hurting people. It was a terrible time. And so during this terrible time, courageous people were raised up, a people that willingly offered themselves to God, verse 2. Amongst them, Deborah, verse number 7, I arose, a mother arose. Verse number 12, it says, Awake, awake, Deborah, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, lead Thy captivity captive, the son of Abinah. We see Deborah and Barak, again, put in places of leadership during this time. In verse number 12, it mentions there, again, that 
this man by the name of Barak led the people. He led them. Good for men and anybody who can to lead people to a place of God's will. Brave men were used then. It mentions there in verse number four, uh, 15, the princes of Issachar were with Deborah. Even Issachar also, Barak, he sent on foot in the valley for the divisions of Reuben. There were great thoughts of the heart. Gilead's mentioned there, verse number 17, and Dan in verse number 17, and Asher mentioned at the seashore. Zeblin, it says there in verse number 18, and Naphtali were people that jeoparded their lives Onto the death in the high places of the field. Verse 20, they fought from heaven, the stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Mentions in verse number 24, Jael again. We mentioned her last week. It says, Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, be blessed, shall be above the women in the tent. As you look again at this passage of scripture, you look at this song, you see courageous people of all kinds are needed during times of negative life experiences, times of war, times of difficulty. And certainly that's a good lesson we can learn from negative life experiences. Let's skip a few chapters here. Judges chapter 9. Can you believe we're already on number 6? Just about getting to the end of the message must be. Or maybe it's just one of those long last two points. Who knows? Never know. Judges chapter 9 and... Uh, Verse number 23, Judges chapter 9 and verse number 23. It says, And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dwelt treacherously with Abimelech, that the cruelty done to the threescore and ten sons of Zeruel might come, and their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother, which slew them upon the men of Shechem, which aided him in the killing of their brethren. And the men of Shechem set liars in wait in their top of the mountains, and he robbed all that came along the way by them. And it was told Abimelech. And uh, again, we see some more, again, troublesome experiences here in life. But certainly there are a lot of different troublesome experiences one might have in life. In Judges uh, chapter 8, uh, let's back up here just a little bit. Judges chapter 8, in uh, verse number 23, again, negative experiences that happen in life, again, litter the history of every person that's lived on this earth. Everybody goes both through mountains and valley-type experiences. And yet, what can we learn from these experiences? Well, let me say this, number six, we can learn from the missteps of others as they might misstep in life. We see this in many of the judges here in Israel and also the people here, that we need to learn from the missteps of others. doesn't mean you follow the missteps and mistakes of others, but you learn from them. Let's pick up in Judges uh, chapter 8, and uh, let's go ahead and read from verse number 23 down to verse number 31. You know, the life of Gideon would seem like a pretty spectacular life. In so many different ways, if it weren't for these last few verses in this chapter in the book of Judges. We would see him as a man who grew in faith. We would see him as a man who led God's people. We see him as a man that they wanted to be a king. And a man who was really a decent kind of a leader. 
But you'll see here at the end of this chapter here in Judges chapter 8, verse number 23 through verse number 31, that he made some definite mistakes in life. Verse 23, it says, And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a request of you, that you would give me every man his earrings of his prey, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment and cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And so they had these earrings, these earrings of gold, and they're giving them to Gideon. Verse 26, And the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold beside ornaments and collars and purple raiment that were on the kings of Midian, and besides the chains that were about the camel's necks, and Gideon made an ephod thereof, and put it in his city, even Orpah. And all Israel went thither, a whoring after it, which became a snare on the Gideon to his house. What a mess. Why did Gideon do this? I have no idea why he did this. But he decided after the victory that took place there to take some gold and make an ephod, a garment type of thing that, again, could lead to people worshiping it. This was a mistake, a golden ephod. Maybe, again, just to represent God's victory, but used, again, by others to fall into idolatry. They went a-whoring, the Bible says, after it. Became a spiritual idol to them. This wasn't the only mistake or misstep of Gideon here in the Bible. We read on here. I'll skip a few verses here. It says in verse number 29, And Zerubbabel, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body, begotten for by many wives. And his concubine was in Shechem, and she bare him a son, whose name was called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in a sepulcher of Joash, his father, in Orpah, of the Abizanites. And it came to pass, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam and after Baabareth, their God. The children of Israel remember not the Lord, their God, who had delivered them in the hands of their enemies on every side, neither showed they kindness on the house of Zerubbabel, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. Now, Gideon was a good man, but he made two major missteps in life. He made a golden ephod that Israel went a-whoring after. He also multiplied and married many wives, which was a snare to him, but not so much, but he uh, actually married, if you would, one other, not a, you know, a, a first kind of a marriage, and again, I'm not here to uh, talk about a first kind of marriage, second kind of marriage, maybe that sounds really weird, but um, there's a marriage where there's an inheritance. It mentions verse number 30, many wives, 70 kids, many wives. And his concubine, single, just one. He had one child by that concubine, Abimelech, one son. So 71 kids. 70 by many wives, one 
by this concubine wife. Anyways, Abimelech ended up killing all those other children. Gideon erred, erred greatly in uh, making a stumbling block thereby the ephod, but he erred greatly also by multiplying wives on himself and having all these children. Ended up being a mess. Ended up, again, in chapter 9, you see again the, that Abimelech makes a plan to get rid of all the other brothers there. He hires some vain fellows and he has them all killed there. One of them escapes there, and you know about that. We talked about him last week. Jotham, the youngest, hit himself. Jotham preaches against what his brother did. Um, but we learn from the lives of others that the missteps of our other people aren't things that we should follow after. People might look at Gideon and say, look at the wives he had. Look at the golden ephod he man. He was, a, he was bad. He was a loser. He wasn't a good guy, etc. He was a good guy. But he certainly did these things wrong. The case of Gideon learns that we should learn from the negative missteps of others. Not to do them. Avoid the negative things that others might do that aren't right. doesn't matter who does them. A pastor could do wrong. You don't follow him. Or a husband or wife might do wrong. Or children might do wrong. Or a friend might do wrong. It's not our job to follow those missteps, those mistakes, those mess-ups, those errors. But rather to follow the Lord. A golden ephod tripped up the people. Multiplying these many wives to him led to many children... And many children ended up dying at the hand of one child that was born of another marriage, sadly, of a concubine. A concubine kills all of them except for Joash. What a tragic legacy, really, of Gideon. Again, should have just settled with one wife. That would have been the best thing for him. But, you know, I, I think, like I said, I've said this before, he, he kind of tried to act like a king. Kings multiply wives themselves. Eastern way of doing things, sadly. Judges chapter 11. Learn from the negative missteps of others. Gideon, Jephthah, Samson, these judges in Israel were not perfect people. They did things wrong. They should have exercised faith at time. They should have exercised forbearance at time. They should have exercised, again, uh, patience. You can go on and on. You can look at, again, problems, especially with Samson there. Uh, don't follow the mistakes they made. And finally, I want to look at here tonight uh, lessons we can learn from the negative experiences of the judges there. In Judges chapter 11, we'll consider one final one here tonight. Judges chapter 11, verse number 1 and 2. And I'll read verse number 6 through verse number 11. Negative experiences. One is one of the best of the judges that experienced some of the most negative things that one could experience in life. Well, I think Jephthah. What happened to him? Well, let's read here again what happened to Jephthah. In verse 1 it said, Now Jephthah the Giladite was a mighty man of valor, and he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead begot Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons, and his sons grew up, and they thrust out Jephthah and said unto him, Thou shalt not inherit in our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Skip to verse number 6, it says. So they thrust him out of the house. He goes to be with some other guys. It talks about that in verse number 3. 
War arises, verse seven, 6 it says, and they said unto Jephthah, Come and be our captain, that thou might be with the, uh, fight with the children of Amnon. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and expel me out of my father's house? And why are ye come to me now yet in this distress? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, uh, Therefore said we uh, again, now that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, If you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon, the Lord shall deliver them before me. Shall I be your head? And the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, The Lord be our witness between us, if we do not so according to thy words. Then Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, and the people made him head and captain over them. And Jephthah uttered the, his words before the Lord at Mizpah. And Jephthah sent messengers on the king of the children of Adam, saying, What have thee to do with me, that thou art come against me to fight in my land? But the last lesson I want to consider here tonight is the negative experience of Jephthah. Jephthah being thrown out of his house, cast out of his house, was certainly a place that in his life where he could have uh, said no to his brothers when they came and asked help of him. But yet the Bible says there in verse number one, it says, And Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. He was someone that could lead. And so they called for him. And he decided to be a help to them. This again teaches our final lesson here tonight. Extend grace especially to family members, even if they mistreat you. I know there are terms and places where someone can mistreat you in a place that you wouldn't want to extend grace, but I'm just saying this. We see here in this place, in this passage in life, that this Jephthah extended grace to his family members when they needed him, even though they mistreated him. It was terribly wrong what they did to him. I mean, it sounds like in verse number two, they must have allowed him to be in the house. And when they were old enough and he was old enough, they just threw him out of the house. They thrust him out of the house and said, you're not going to be inheriting anything in this house because you're the son of a stranger woman, does it? I mean, it wasn't Jetha's fault how he was born. He was born of a harlot. Again, I'm not going to go into any details on that here tonight. But certainly a negative life experience to begin with. Born wrong, so to speak born in less than ideal circumstances, born to a family here, and thrust out of the house here, kicked out of the house, expelled from his father's house. Then his brothers or brethren come back to him and ask for help, and he shows grace to them. He blesses his family. What does it teach us? You need to seek to bless your family even if they mistreat you. I need to seek to bless family members even if they mistreat me. This is a lesson from these half-brothers. They were half-brothers, really, of him. And he sought to treat them right. And he was there for them when they needed him. And he was a blessing to God, despite how he was born and all those sorts of things. Some lessons from negative experiences in life from the book of Judges. God may repay you for the evil you do. We see that in the life of Abimelech. Uh, we certainly see that in the life of Adonai Bezek. Reproving may be good for us. The angels reprove. The angels here reprove God's people and they got right with the Lord. Forsaking the Lord might lead to negative experiences. You see the hand of the Lord against God's people as they turn from Him and forsook Him. 
but yet mighty oppression may lead to prayer. We see that happen. After 20 years of oppression, the people go to God. Courageous people are needed for negative life experiences. We see that here in the Bible with Deborah, Barak, and all those different tribes and princes. And learning from the missteps of others is certainly something we can learn from this book. And to extend grace to our family, even if they mistreat us, is something we can learn from this book. We can learn from Jesus. We can certainly learn from Joseph. These are some thoughts that are negative, but can be used in positive ways to teach us. And so the truth is we all experience negative things in life, and we should learn from them. They can actually be helpful. Let's close in prayer as we consider the word of God here tonight.